Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today we're going to examine what happens to parents when their children move to another country. And we're going to look at it in a way that maybe is a bit unexpected. There was an article recently in the Wall Street Journal's expat blog titled Expats and Their Parents Sharing in the Adventure Abroad. And it was written by Rashmi Delai, who is a Singapore-based freelance writer who just completed a seven-year stint in Shanghai. Basically, she was tackling the common perception that people have that if a child is to move overseas, the parent will find that distressing or slightly depressing since their kid is no longer anywhere nearby. Her article is challenging that notion. And so when I interviewed her not too long ago, the first thing I asked her was why she decided to look into this question in the first place. The reason I wrote the article is that up until I so I've been an expat for eight, almost nine years. And for the majority of that time, my parents were both young and together and able to travel and enjoyed going abroad together and coming to see me. And, and it was, there was no guilt really associated with it for the most part. And then my dad passed away. And then the guilt of being abroad became like a real and tangible thing. And you sort of start to ask yourself, are my parents reaching the stage at which I have to make decisions about my life to help them basically, like in very simple terms. So my mom was married to my dad when she was 19. She's very independent. She's a professor at Penn State. You know, she's got a job. She's got a circle of friends. She sits in that intersection between like having a traditional Eastern marriage and she probably will never even consider marrying again and also being independent enough to be able to get on an airplane and have new adventures. But she sort of has to cross this hurdle in her head that I have to do it alone now. So it was different if you were coming to China to visit me and we went to Vietnam and dad was there. It's a different experience for her to say, okay, I'm going to come stay in Singapore for six weeks and it's just, it's just me. Like this summer we took her to Barcelona as an example just to kind of get her out of her comfort zone. Not that she doesn't travel, but she often travels. If she's going to travel, she'll travel with friends or with another group of teachers or somebody else that's in her colleague. She has never really traveled far on her own. So this was the first trip that she was going to go all the way from the United States to Barcelona by herself. It was the first time she ever rode in in a taxi from the airport to where we were staying by herself. And it was a really nerve wracking experience for her. And so I basically wrote this article to give her courage in a way to tell her that even though yes, like one chapter in her life is over and her kids are abroad, that actually there's a lot of people who are living in that space and time in their lives. Some of them still have spouses, some of them might not, but they're they're still able to go out into the world and that their kids actually being abroad help that time be richer and not necessarily become this sort of collapsed circle where like everybody sees each other for lunch on Sunday and like we do Christmas and Thanksgiving. We all live in the same neighborhood-ish and that's life for the rest of your life. Like there's actually a chance to have all new adventures, which is why this guy, Bob Curie, was so fascinating because I told my mom, you should come to Singapore and teach. You should come and become part of a school. You should do what he did. and so. That was the reason for the article. So tell us about him in case people haven't read the article yet. Okay. Bob Curie was featured in the article and he is in a teacher based, I believe, out of North Carolina. And I met his daughter here in Singapore, but she and I were also in Shanghai at the same time. 
And he had not traveled to Asia before she went. And he went over with his wife and daughter, other, their other daughter, to just go visit. And then he ended up staying because he found that the school she was working at could use his skills. And he was on summer break between classes. And so he ended up spending his summer there contributing to the school and working and really living like a local expat. So he moved into an apartment that was owned by a local woman and her daughter. And he had all the experiences you would have as like a backpacker riding around in a scooter and finding the the best street food and just having this really unusual experience that you would normally say you do that in your 20s and then like you get it out of your system, but having it much later in life. And then it was also a really great thing for his daughter, his relationship with his daughter, which was always good. It wasn't, but the fact that they had this like new dimension, this like exciting experience and he could see what she's able to do and how quickly she's able to adapt. It was just all around, like the family just glows when they talk about that, that time that, you know, this, they just were able to change their lives. And even back home now, you know, he sees the world differently, of course, because once you've lived abroad and even had a touch of another person's perspective, you can't help but take that back with you. So he was really inspirational. And I've, I've been really pointing to him when I'm talking to my mom. See, you could do it. You can learn how to ride a scooter. <laughs> Does your mother agree that part of you living abroad adds a certain level of adventure to her life? Maybe she's still wading into the water, but is it an adventure that's not welcome when it comes to your mother now that she's on her own? I mean, my mom was always a traveler. I think that the adventure is that when they travel, they always went as tourists. Go for a week to Italy and do an organized tour, or they go for a week to London, do an organized tour. And that was also, that was very enriching and nothing wrong with that. But I think that the challenge and the adventure for my mom is that we've lived in so many countries over the past couple of years. And in each country, she can't really just be a tourist. Her grandkids are going to school there and her kids are working there. And so, you know, there's a certain amount of like thrill to be able to enter a culture and really learn how they do it and then be able to go back and intellectually say, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. Or that's really great. I never thought about it that way. But then there's also, I see in her and my relatives of her generation, a certain mental stickiness too, right? Like you're not 20 absorbing the world. You're like older than that. And you've already made some decisions on how you want to see the world. And sometimes you don't want to look at it that way. We have a a helper that lives with us because I have two small kids and she came with us from China. That's very strange for my mother. She doesn't understand how you could have somebody live with you. She doesn't understand how you could have somebody be such an integral part of your family. And as much as I try to tell her, like, here are the benefits, you know, when we need to go out in the evening or if we need to do something or one child's tired, there's another set of hands. There's all sorts of benefits and there's also cultural benefits. Her mind is still very sticky about it. You know, you should be doing everything yourself. That's how we do it in America. Why do you need, you know, like, and I know that's sort of like a a slightly snooty expat example, but that's one example. And I think the other thing coming to Asia and seeing how families are multi-layered and do have multiple people living with them. Like we, you know, we have one, but a lot of Asian families have grandparents and, you know, like they have big extended families. It does make my mother question in a way that makes her, I think, sometimes uncomfortable whether or not she needs to consider that kind of model of her life. She also holds being independent and being able to take care of herself as like her core values, but she's getting older. So even if we went back to the States, we're not going to move into her house she'd have to come and stay with us. So I think seeing how prevalent that is in Asia sort of puts that a little bit in front of her face in a way that in America, uh, we have a different relationship with our 
I think our aging parents, we don't just immediately say, yeah, come move in, you know, just culturally, <laughs> culturally, that's not really how we handle it. It's more like heaven forbid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I think on those two ends, Asia is a country that's still very network and dependency driven. People still build their lives as circles, right? Around like a group of people. And I think in America, we don't think of life that way. That is challenging to my mother. One of the things that's interesting about your article is that you do think about the expat guilt. If you move abroad, you're abandoning your family, basically. I don't know that that's a worldwide point of view, but that is a concern, particularly with American expats. I'm sure others feel it the same way. Yeah. Is that a cultural perspective? Because your article is about look at all the good things that can come from your kid moving away. And even still reading it, I'm sure there are some parents that are thinking, well, that might be true, but it's still terribly depressing. And how could they leave me here, you know, alone? Yeah, I think the guilt comes less from distance and more from the sense that, at least in my opinion, it comes less. I mean, there's an element of distance about it, but I'll talk about there's there's pros and cons to that in a minute. What's harder is that when you ask your parents to come visit you, or you go back to them, they have all this cultural disconnect to deal with. So it's not like I'm flying from New York to Seattle to see my mother. And so like Nordstrom's in New York is the same as Nordstrom's Seattle. So like we can just link arms and go shopping in Nordstrom's no matter where we are, you know, <laughs> like they've got to cross like a whole world. And then also you come back and you've got to cross a whole world to like reconnect with their lives. And that is work and it's effort. And I think that like, there is a certain amount of guilt in forcing your parents to engage in that process with you when they didn't ask to. And the secondary thing is if your parents are ill and they cannot travel, then of course, then you've got another set of problems. Now, a lot of expats I talk to, you know, there's pros and cons. Expat lifestyles vary widely. And so you can't really generalize, but it is more widely accepted, it seems, because we know we're all abroad for people to be able to negotiate their lives to have chunks of time with their family. So I feel like it's more widely accepted here to like go back to the States and spend three weeks for Christmas. Whereas when I lived in the States, you would have to count your days off between Christmas and New Year's. And if you had enough, like you had a week. And if you didn't, you went home for New Year, you know, for Christmas Eve and back on 26th, right? But here, I think there's like, especially in the summers for people with families and then in the holiday period, there is a a greater understanding that you're, like, you're traveling across the world and you haven't, don't see your family every day. So your employer will let you take that time off or it'll be built into your schedule. So a lot of expats said that actually the time that they get with their family gets to be longer and more concentrated than it would if they were back home and trying to like find time and weekends and long weekends and holidays across the year. And I have found that for sure. Like because I'm a freelancer and I have a more flexible schedule, like when my dad was sick, I was able to be home the entire time, which just happened to fall over the summer as well. And that was really good. And I think a lot of families try to figure out a way to make that a possibility. Not everybody can do it. Singapore is a really expensive city. For example, a lot of both families work here. It's not a universal thing. But a lot of people I interviewed said, even if I can't spend weeks and weeks and weeks with my family, the time together has a different intensity. I guess that's the best way to say it. Everybody knows it's, it is, it's the time. It's the time we get together, and so it's not taken for granted as much as you might otherwise. Yeah. Is there anything else besides adventure and 
sort of a wider cultural world understanding that you found that parents gained? Yeah. So there was one woman that I spoke with, Christine Leong. Her family, they were refugees from Cambodia when they moved to uh, France and then ended up immigrating there. And then she became an expat to China. During the course of her time in China, her parents were able to come back and actually go to Cambodia for the first time since they had been, had they had left. I mean, ultimately she was the expat, but what happened was, is that having her demonstrate to her family that you could make that leap, you could go back in time. She went to China because her family was of Chinese ancestry. She brought her family back to Cambodia so that they could deal with their own history. The way she describes it, and I, and I hate to put words in her mouth, so you should probably talk to her, but the way she describes it is that it really gave her dad confidence to both let go of things that maybe were still affecting how he saw the world and to embrace new chapters in life, even though maybe he was older and he had spent much of his life doing one thing. Demonstrating to your parents that you can make these decisions and change no matter where you are or what you've done or how much time has passed. I think that was the greatest takeaway of the article. Sort of the simplest terms that it's never too late, right? And I think that especially like in America, I can't comment for all cultures, but I think especially in America, a lot of people in my mom's generation are already winding down. We have this very traditional retirement model, right? Like you work to a certain age and then like you're supposed to enjoy your life. And I think it gives people like that a new way to enjoy their lives, to see that they can enjoy their lives. Like if Bob Curie could come over to China and he's retired and work for the summers in a Chinese school, I mean, why not? That's awesome. Good for him. Like, you know, he still has purpose and work and an ability to try new things. If my mom could do the same thing, great for her. There's lots of people with doctors for fathers, you know, maybe they could come over and work in different countries and be able to live and experience. Because I think that the challenge I see my mom facing as she talks about getting older is that you're sort of expected to let go of your expectation to have purpose. It's like saying, I expect to let go of being able to love, or I expect to be able to let go of cooking my own dinner. That's a ridiculous expectation. And yet that's what we expect old people to do. And particularly in Asia, that's not what Asians think. Asians evolve. Their, their whole system helps older people evolve their sense of purpose across their lives that they always have one. And I think that for my mother, especially, I hope that that gives her some inspiration. And I think for the other expats that I interviewed, like my first grade teacher, I know they definitely took inspiration from seeing that it's never over unless you call it over. So that was Rashmi Delai. She's an American expat living in uh, Singapore now, uh, had been in Shanghai. Interesting article. Yeah, very interesting. I'll put a link to it on our website, thebittersweetlife.net. So you can read the whole thing yourself. Tiffany, I kind of wanted to interview your mother following this, but since I didn't have time, I'm going to ask for your opinion. What do you think your mother has gained and lost by you moving overseas? I mean, last week we did talk about your expat guilt and how the fact that you have a kid and she doesn't get to see it very often, that's maybe something that she's lost. But would you say that on the whole, she would think of it as a positive experience that you moved to Rome? I think if she sat down and really thought about it, I'd, I hope that weighing the pros and cons, she would come out on the pro side. When you asked me to interview her, and I honestly did plan to, but it was right over the baptism and time just got away from me. I mentioned it to her. I said, oh, you know, can I interview you about this? And she said, oh, sure, sure. 
And I, you know, kind of threw out to her what the topic was. And, and I said, oh, you know, it's about how, you know, being an, having an expat child enriches your life. She kind of scoffed and said, oh, really? I wouldn't say that. I think she was being a little bit cynical. I don't think it's true. I mean, this, I hope it's not true for her. My mom comes to Europe at least once a year. She doesn't just come to Rome, and sometimes she skips Rome, but we'll generally see each other anyway. We'll, we'll meet up somewhere. She usually comes with her husband, and they both love to travel. I don't think that they would travel anywhere near as much as they do, at least not in Europe, if I weren't here. So I think that that is definitely giving her a big opportunity for travel at the very least. I think her reaction to that's kind of interesting. Do you think she was thinking you were being a little too self-complimentary? Like, hey, you know, <laughs> just so you know, I moved overseas. I'm an expat. You're that welcome. Makes you so much more interesting. Yeah. yeah, I moved away, mom. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. I think it was more that she sees things from a different point of view now because of her grandson. I really think that that's what's made the difference. I mean, she misses me, of course, but I think that is like the little heartbreaking part of it. I think that once parents have grandchildren, I mean, they never, ever love their children any less, but there is something about a baby. You just have a little bit more unconditional love because, you know, that baby is so innocent and perfect. And so I think that she suffers a little bit more now. Well, and let's admit it. Let's admit it, though, Tiffany, you were a terrible, very difficult child to deal with. Was I? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I actually stopped there for a second. I had to think about it. Was I a terrible child? No, you were about as perfect as I can imagine, honestly. Really? Well, <laughs> I mean, well, your mother I might debate that too and be like, that's self-congratulatory. Yeah, well, I definitely didn't drink, smoke, do drugs, sneak out of the house, any of that kind of stuff. I didn't do it when I was in high school. But anyway, back to the topic at hand. I wanted to say I loved what Rashmi had to say about the older generation not having to feel like they've lost their purpose just because they've retired and how in Asia that's a common thing and how in the States it's not. I think anywhere you are, there are going to be some people who do feel like their life is, their purpose is over and other people who don't. And it really depends on the personality of the person. And I think my mom and my stepfather are both people who naturally are the kind of people to have a continued sense of purpose. And I look at them as compared to, I don't want to make a comparison, but okay, my in-laws. Um, and my in-laws, who, by the way, are a lot younger than my parents, which is kind of strange, but, you know, they, and I mean, it's very cultural. They live for their family. They really, truly live for their family. So the, when they're going to do something, their very first thought is, Will this benefit my children, even if their children are all grown up? My father-in-law is dying to go to the United States, but he's not going to go because he needs to get some financial things in order for his kids. My mother would never think that. And I mean, my mother is incredibly generous, don't get me wrong. But she puts herself first, and she has every right to do that because her children are grown. And I like that my mom puts herself first. I'm really happy that... At the end of mom, my mom's life, which I hope is a long way away, I am not going to have to think, oh my gosh, she gave up so much for me, and now I feel so guilty that she didn't get to live the life that she wanted in her later years. Now, I have no idea if that has anything to do with me being an expat or not, but I'm happy that she is that type of person, and I think that that predisposes her to taking advantage of the positive aspects of having an expat child. Whereas someone who's a little bit more selfless, let's say, they might not take the advantages available to them. I don't know if that makes sense. 
Yeah, no, it does make sense. It's interesting because I like what she said about that in the Asian cultures she's lived in, they find a way to usher that every person through into their old age, recrafting what their purpose might be all the way along the way. My parents are the same way. They have always been very driven people. They retired and became just as busy as they always were in a heartbeat, <laughs> except on different projects. I, they retired to basically work other places. They might disagree with me on that, but at the same point, they've always been people that have been very purposeful driven, that they have a lot of stuff that they want to do in the world. And so when I do meet people that are just retired and sort of just hanging out, I find it a little bit shocking, although maybe they're having a better time. I don't know. But I do think that when it comes to older people, sometimes in the United States, our biggest problem is because we're such a youth oriented culture. We don't revere them in any way. You don't see them, I think, is the biggest problem. And our culture doesn't slow down for them in any way. And maybe that's just my observation of the city I live in. I don't know. But that's one of the things that I appreciate about the Asian cultures I have been is that grandma's not somewhere far away. She's in the house and she's still working on different things. All that is to say that has nothing to do with expats. <laughs> but be nice to your old people and your lives, people. Come on. Revere them in some capacity. Uh, <laughs> whatever that means to you. I don't know what my parents would say to this question. I still kind of want to interview my parents because they are people who I think don't want me to be very far away. And so I don't know how they felt about the fact that I moved away. I'm certainly sure that they are glad I didn't stay. Yeah, I was going to say they spent that whole year knowing that, I mean, 99% you were going to be coming back. You, you didn't, let's say you didn't come to Italy planning to stay. You could have decided to stay, but that wasn't the plan. And so they're experience was definitely, they never had that moment of, oh my gosh, my baby's left and she's not coming back. So I wonder how differently they would have spent that year and felt during that year if they thought that that was just the beginning of, you know, the status quo, the new status quo. They came to the airport with me before I left and... Did they cry? And I did too, like, which is so, it was unexpected. I'm wildly sentimental at moments <laughs> Like that. I, I think I'm one of those people that bursts into tears. You are. You are. It's all pent up or I'm in complete denial or who knows what or why. But I'm just like one of those people that is fine, fine, fine. And then all of a sudden just not fine anymore. <laughs> I, I had an ex-boyfriend that used to say, if we're dealing with any sort of issue within our relationship, I kind of am worried about going out to dinner because it's usually <laughs> it's usually like when we're out to dinner and we get into like some deep conversation and then you burst into tears and then everybody in the restaurant is looking at me like, what did he just <laughs> say to her? Everybody's looking at me and I was like, nobody's looking at us. And he's like, but it feels like everyone's looking at me. Wow. So I got to figure out what that's all about at some point in my life. But or maybe that's just me. But I do remember my parents walking me to the security line and they basically stayed with me and Derek while we were waiting in the security line until we were all the way up to the front where you couldn't be with you anymore because you can't go into the airport anymore and waving goodbye and seeing them wave goodbye and it felt like so final like it was going to be a long time and really it wasn't that long of a time maybe that once I was really gone they were relieved <laughs> <laughs> come on I'm just kidding my mom just listening right now just shook her head and was like oh for goodness sake that's not true <laughs> don't even say it it's hard it's I definitely get teary every time 
I leave my mom or she leaves me. But it's different. It's different when you know that you're probably never going to live in the same city again. Do you agree with what Rashmi was saying that when you do spend time together, the quality of the time is better than it might have been like when you were coming back to visit from college just for the vacations? I don't know. I'd have to think. I'm not sure. I definitely know that the fact that she came for an entire month when my son was born was really great. It was really great to have her for so much time. But I don't necessarily know that if I'd been living two states away, she wouldn't have done the same thing. When I go back, I don't go back for long periods of time generally. I'm not freelance, so I do have counted vacation days. So um, so I'm not sure. I will say that not so much anymore. I think we're kind of over it. But when I was first spending a lot of time away and not coming back, even maybe, maybe once a year maximum, I would notice that, especially when I went to see her and I was in her house, the first couple of days, we almost had to kind of get to know each other again. I know that sounds crazy, but it was almost like we were strangers for a minute. You know, I look at my sister-in-law and her mom who have lived together for 30 years and we don't have the same easiness. We don't have the same, I can say anything. You can say anything to me. It's not quite like that. I, you know, I have to be a little more careful and maybe that's just because my mom is more sensitive. I don't know. Well, that could also be just, yeah, the nature of your two personalities. It could be. It could be. But we've talked about this on the pa- in the past, I think. When you live with a parent long term and you live with a parent as an adult, they get to know you as an adult and they get to accept you as an adult. Whereas when you stop living with your parent when you're 18, yes, they see you from time to time, but they're not seeing you every day as an adult. So you kind of freeze in time as a teenager to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that's what happened with us, but definitely a couple of days of sort of breaking the ice. I know that sounds crazy between mother and daughter, and we're very close, but it's it's how it is. I don't think it sounds crazy. I mean, you've been far away for a long time, ever since college. I mean, I moved from Seattle to Boston at 18, and I never moved back. Yeah, so there you go. Damn, Tiffany just wanted to run. <laughs> <laughs> What was so bad about all of us? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will end by saying I think you living overseas has made all of us much more interesting people. (laughs) You're welcome. Because we have a friend that lives in Rome. (laughs) That makes us worldly. Oh, but you don't you don't know over here in, in Italy. The fact that I'm from Seattle that is what is cool over here. Yeah, believe it or not, believe it or not, Seattle is. It's not um, trite, like, oh, you know, I'm from New York or I'm from California. No, Seattle is just a little bit, like, unusual enough. You don't hear it as much that people are like, oh, Seattle. And they always say the same thing. Oh, Seattle, que bella, que bella città. And I always say, oh, have you been there? And they're like, oh, no, no, but I've heard it's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you should have seen the weather yesterday. Then people would have been like, eh. Maybe not quite as beautiful as I thought. Hey, it poured in Rome yesterday, too. So it was like a monsoon here yesterday. But yeah, it's beautiful and sunny now. So the cherry blossoms are blooming. Oh, now is the time to come. So yes, Seattle, it's amazing. But so is Rome. (laughs) All right. Well, we should leave it there. Until next time. This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Talk to you next week. Bye. Visit the donate page on our website thebittersweetlife.net. All donations are reserved exclusively for the creation of audio content.
Your financial support keeps us strong. Thank you.